Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking to take their business and wealth to the next level. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's your boy Josh here with Shane, and we got Shad in the building. What's up, guys? Episode number 12. Episode 12. Coming to you live. Welcome, 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 everybody. Hey, thanks, man. I'm glad to be here with you guys. (laughs) Hey, tonight, episode 12, we've got one of my very good friends, Mr. Shaddy Awad. You and I go way back, bro. Crazy story. I'm going to let you tell that story about how we met, but you got, you got to share it, man, because it's like, it's so much better come out of your mouth. I don't know, but all right, I'll, I'll be, I'll be brief about this. So we met when I was, I don't even want to talk about how old I am, but we met a few years back and we were at a Starbucks and I was with another friend of mine and we were having women issues and we were talking about uh, what do we need to do in this situation, in this situation. And Mr. Shaddy was right behind us eavesdropping. Oh, man. Dude, I remember I was on page 26 of my marketing book, man, for college. <laughs> I was sitting there like studying. I couldn't get past it because what they were talking about was exactly what me and my girlfriend had been going through right there in that moment. Yeah. And it's funny, yeah. that guy that I was there with, he was having the exact same kind of woman trouble that you were having. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. And so I turned around. And I said, hey, guys, like. I know this might sound weird, but you know, you think I could join you guys in this conversation? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a true story. That's a true story. What's so funny is that, that was not like my normal hangout. I was across town, 30, 40 miles away, never go there, hadn't been there since. And we just happened to be there at the exact same time, having the exact conversation that you were listening to. And we become just close friends. I was in your wedding and it's, it's just been an amazing journey. So it has been, man. It, it was divine, man, that, that encounter there for you and me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. So thank you for being a part of this, uh, our little podcast tonight, man. And what I do want to set up is I have watched Shaddy go from working for the man, right? I remember you working at AT&T cause you helped me get a phone way back when, and then to starting your own business with another friend of yours and just watching you guys and the evolution that you've been on. You guys have just been on this crazy journey and it's just all about growth, right? It's about growth. It's about personal development. And I've watched you grow up as a leader. I've watched you grow up as a father, as a business owner. And man, it has been a pleasure. And now I'm learning from you. So (laughs) I I just love being a part of the journey. And what I can tell everybody out there, this guy's so well-versed at so many things inside business. If you want to break business down into 10 categories, he's a stud at 10 out of 10. So we're going to have you back and we can have many, many different in-depth conversations on specific topics. But man, I just wanted to to showcase our people about what it's like to uh, to get going from scratch. You know, you didn't buy a business, you started from scratch and just the evolution, the journey. So tell us a little bit about what you've done, man. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I love that you brought up AT&T. It was a great company to work for. But, you know, I had come out of finishing my master's in business and thinking like, dude, I'm ready. I'm going to conquer this world. 
and I, you know, end up selling cell phones at a at an at a at a cell phone store. Which hey, you were good at it though. Let me, tell you, let me tell you something. Today, you're the best if cell phone I, rep I've if, ever known. If I didn't shove my degree in a box for that season of my life, I wouldn't have faced the fear of rejection. I wouldn't have faced the fear of failure. I wouldn't have faced, you know, competition. You know, I had this one guy in my group that was him and I were always competing in the number four, number one, and number two position in sales. And uh, it was just like, it was just a season where I just kind of felt like I needed to humble myself and just say, look, this is where I'm at right now. I needed a job. You know, I needed to figure out something. Uh, but I knew inside of me I was made for so much more than that. I just needed my experience and a little bit of like, you know, that knowledge gap to increase. Because, you know, I, I got my master's at the age of 23. And uh, when I was looking for jobs at the time, you had to have like nine to 15 years experience with a master's. So I have to be nine years old working in some kind of position. <laughs> I'm going to work. <laughs> So, you know, there is this truth, right, where like, you know, what would you rather hire? You know, a guy who's failed 50 times or something or the guy who's never taken a risk? You know, you'd want the experience, right? That's what you want to buy. That's what you want to acquire in your company. The experience of somebody can help you, you know, run the first base rather than walk the first base, right? So that season of life was really, a, a, you know, a moment where I had to kind of inch up in my experience then I stepped into management, had to learn how to deal with managing people, you know, because school doesn't teach you that. You know, they teach you how to strategize. They teach you how to come up with all these marketing plans and strategies, but they don't really teach you how to execute effectively. And Shane, we've talked about this before. So that season was wilder. Then I got poached to go into a voiceover IP company. Um, I stepped into the company uh, and I took a risk. You know, I have people in my life that are telling me, dude, you're crazy for leaving AT&T for this job. You know, you got a lot of security in, in AT&T. You got benefits. You got all this stuff. And even people in my family. And uh, so I took the risk and jumped in that position. Ended up being smoke and mirrors, man. Like uh, it was a company that was saying it had all these sales and all this stuff. I look at their financials. Eventually, it was just smoke and mirrors, man. The way they structured their business is they made they took all the money out of the deal at the front of the deal. And spent it. And I was like, holy, oh, that's great. You know, like what kind of accountability do you have for your customer at that point? You know, if you take all your money up front and the way they structured that is through a lease program. So they, they'd structure a lease to take all the money up front. And, you know, that's not bad for people who have the integrity and, uh, and the willingness to, you know, spread that revenue over X amount of years that that lease is up and kind of manage your business under that, under that, you know, that one year's worth of revenue and keeping the rest of the bank or something like that or using it to expand. So I got there six months in. <clears throat> there was a situation uh, where uh, I sat down with one of the owners of that company and uh, he asked me, uh, you know, like, what do you think if I uh, if I if I attack that person's server, you know, for taking some of our clients? And I said, uh, bro. Like you are not gonna do that. If you like under my breath, I said, God, if this is if this guy does this, I know I should be leaving already, but I just want to make it clear if this guy does this, I gotta go. You know, because I just I just always have the belief if your customer leaves you, you should you you he was asking the wrong question, essentially. He should be asking the question, 
you know, why are my customers leaving me? And uh, that season, it was such a wild ride because six months after leaving AT&T, I found myself without a job. I said, this guy did it. He actually tried. He was crashing another voice over IP servers. And I'm sitting there in a room like, this guy was really doing this? So <clears throat> that's it. I was out. I flew up to Toronto, my hometown, and I just spent some time over there. And I and did- you're, you're married at this time too, right? Yeah, married, right? Married and uh, I already have two kids. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, I already have two kids. About to have my third kid. And the wife not working. And the you're not working. Provider. Yep, yep, yep. You know how I had that baby? No job. I had her on welfare. I didn't have any money. Nothing. That transition point, though, wasn't a long transition point. You know, the one of the guys from that other company uh, who branched off because he didn't like the way this one owner was running. He started his own company. We start, I started doing some consulting for them. And then within a year, uh, we learned of an opportunity with Salvation Army to build them a private cloud, kind of like a bid. And uh, we we got a proof of concept project across five cities to build a private cloud for them. And that was back in 2012 before Azure or AWS, all that stuff. And uh, we did that. We did. We we start. We landed the deal. Then we incorporated our business. And I, that's one strategy. You know, like if somebody says, "How what should I do to start a business? How should I start a business?" Go knock on doors. Go see if you can close a sale. If you close a sale, then incorporate. You know, you don't have to. You know, uh, you know. I mean, I wouldn't say run your business without incorporation for a long time, but I mean, you should be able to knock on doors for a couple of months and at least see if you got any demand for your business. So we landed that deal, uh, started, uh, made like 2000 bucks a month for like almost two years, scraping by with three kids, a newborn, and, um, and just, just hustled. And uh, I took a philosophy from my grandfather and my uncle that, that, you know, they ran a pretty big company in the Middle East that got up to about $100 bucks. And when they first started, they didn't touch profits for 15 years. So I said, okay, like I'm going to take those profits and we're going to just bank them. And we did that until the point now where we're taking a modest salary. It's nothing like incredible, but we're hedging this storm with COVID. You know, we've had some clients have come back to us and said, hey, you know, we're struggling and we could accommodate that. You know, I can't imagine where I'd be if I didn't have a little bit of a nest egg set aside in the business um, to be able to sub to, to be able to offset some of those losses and not find myself in a place where, you know, I'm just uh, working, you know, under just a massive amount of emotional stress. I just, hey, I've been there before. Let, let me go back to right there. You said something interesting when you started your own business in the first couple of years, you said you made 2000 a month. Yeah. And, and, okay. and again, you're a guy that has a master's degree. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset when you're making $2,000 a month? And in your mind, you know you should be making a heck of a lot more than that. Gosh, you know, I had this disconnect that was uh, in that season. You know, like I'm not if you if you think about where 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 my value is in the company is more on the biz dev, you know, marketing sales side structure. Right, my business partner was way more the IT guy, so it took me a while to get to the point where I felt like I was worthy of my own business. I kind of had this gap that was occurring. Um, and 
in that season, it was really tough because, you know, I'd be like, dude, what the heck am I doing here, man? I can't I can barely talk about servers. I could barely talk about this. And I had such a knowledge gap. Did you I, feel like quitting? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've had many conversations. My uncle in the Middle East was like, what are you doing, man? Like a lot of kids your age are starting businesses. You know, they fail all the time. And uh, I remember sitting there in that moment. I, had, I, I just I just got so frustrated that my, you know, at that time, my uncle didn't believe in me. Right. He did believe in me, but he was he was much more wanting me to come to the Middle East and, and help in that family business. Right. So I took that man. It became fuel to fire. You know, it became one of those things where I just said, I'm not going to. I'm not going to let this sucker fail. And it was, uh, it ended up running me into the ground. That's another story. (laughs) But uh, I've come out of it in a a lot better position in my life. But um, it was, it was tough. It was tough for sure. And, you know, we didn't, the, the, the advantage though about that season is we didn't have an incredibly cushed job before and we maxed out our living expenses, you know, so we were already living under a small budget. And we racked up a lot of debt, personal debt, actually probably around 40 grand of debt over over about like two years. And uh, you could say that was like my equity into the company, you know. So. You know, you've touched on so many cool things there, bro. Uh, you know, living beneath your means. And, you know, when you even when you were at AT&T, all of these things for the person that is growing and developing. That's just part of the mantra of what we're always talking about, you know, on the mastermind side is you always got to be developing yourself always mm-hmm. at all times. There, there is not a situation that you're in that you can't learn from and oh, you yeah. can't grow from. So even when you're at AT&T, you're talking about all those life lessons that you took that you're, you're still applying now. Yeah. And, and I guarantee during those first two years, when you're struggling, you, that develops so much of the core of who you are you know, just about being humble. I know you're being humble now, but you're, you, you're, you've already been, you know, really successful with what you're doing. But so many of these traits, if you're, if you're, if your mindset is, I'm going to take whatever situation I'm in and I'm going to learn, I'm going to grow from it, man, you can always take any of those situations and it just makes you a better person, a better boss, a better owner, a better husband, all those things. And I, and I just love that about what you're saying there. Yeah, and I think for the entrepreneur that's that wants for the young person who who wants to be an entrepreneur, or even for for somebody our age now that wants to be an entrepreneur, that was the season I lived. I had to grow in confidence. You know, I had to kind of come to the place where, uh, you know, I had to kind of sift out a lot of fears that I was dealing with. Now I'm at the stage where you know I really got to put into practice what I've learned, and I gotta, I gotta, you know, capitalize on that and grow up, grow off of that. So. Yeah, it was a crazy season of life. It was good. Well, tell us tell us today, man, about uh, different things business owners need to be aware of. How do they keep their focus? You know, just give us some kind of of nugget that that you might be able to come up with on the. I got a question. I got a question. There you go. So, most business owners right now got slaughtered because they didn't have that nest egg, and even people who are working, how did you have the discipline? Your whole life, people tell you, right? Have six months, have three months, right? Um, now things are going good, right? Economy is doing well. You see some cash stacking up. How'd you have the discipline to not like, you know, you said modest salary, right? I mean, that's the first thing when you still, when you have that turning point in business and you start making some money, right? You go buy stuff like hundred dollar carpets, 
right? The background and sports cars and right. Wit Wit talked about that four wheelers and stuff like that last week. So let's talk about your discipline and managing your money. Yeah, I'm not saying that we didn't spend money foolishly at the beginning. And uh, there's a term in business called leaky bag syndrome. You know, it's like money's coming in, but you're like, where is this money going, man? Like, where is it going? And you got like 25 subscriptions for technologies and you have all these tools that you're using and you have, you know, you're spending money eating out every single day in the company because you think, man, I can't stop. You know, I got I got to keep going. I got to order something. I got to order food. Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah. Uber Eats is the worst. If you look at it in terms of percentages, you're paying like 100 percent more for your food. Yeah. So it was um, it was it was it was a there was there was a fear element. Right. Uh, uh, of, there, there is a in, in a way it was a negative and a positive scarcity was a big fear factor man because it actually um, whenever the you know we, we got to six figures in the bank pretty quickly in our business uh, within like about two years we were at six figures in the bank uh, and when we got to that point whenever it would dip close to that like five figure mark it freaked the crap out of us you know and it caused us to, uh, you know, it caused us to cut expenses. It caused us to, you know, like want to hustle more, drive more deals. Um, in, our, in our case, we picked a pretty good business model. We're a managed services company. So people, you know, sign up for one, two, three, four, even five-year contracts with us. So we get perpetual revenue coming in off of one deal closed. But um, it, it took... I'll tell you this. This is there's there's a good friend of mine, Shane Noah, but he he came up with the philosophy that you know there is a lifestyle cap. If you make a hundred thousand, you're gonna maybe consume a hundred thousand of that probably. If you got a family of five kids like I do, if you make a million dollars, what's your lifestyle cap? Let, let that lifestyle grow as your income grows. But at a certain point, what's your lifestyle cap? And same thing with the business. We got to be mindful about like spending and just being cautious about that. We, we were never really good, Josh, at like leveraging debt to grow the business. Um, I don't know if that's a negative for us yet. We're kind of in that season right now where we're kind of dabbling into that a little bit. But um, I, I knew I knew firsthand there was a massive like downturn that occurred in the Middle East. And during that time, my uncle told me, he said, like, the reason why we survived was because of the cash in the bank. We actually took over market share during that time while others were bleeding. And that's what happens. There's, you know, there's a whole financial curve, you know, in, in investing called, you know, blood on the streets. You know, like there's there's really blood on the streets right now. And it's really sad. And um that's really unfortunate. You know, you, you always think you have the time until it hits you. Um, and we've been very fortunate to have just just said, you know what, man, I, let me just add one more thing. The idea of comparing yourself to other people, that sucker, I'm telling you right now, that ego battle is going to is gonna eat you alive. You have to have a goal. You have to have just a, a willingness to just put in the time. I mean, it, it'll it'll make sense and, and it'll make real sense when you have the cash in the bank and there's blood on the streets and you're like, well, like we've started looking into acquisitions of, of other IT companies. So there's the potential for that, right? So 
that's just some thoughts. I hopefully I answered that for you. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I could relate. Yeah, that when you hit that six figure, it's like in the bank. It's it's great, but then like as soon as it gets down to ninety nine 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 nine, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop. So yeah, yeah, you know, I think Hirsch, Robert Hershevek, which is a, a big time IT guy in the IT industry, one of the biggest IT companies in the U.S. He said that when he first when he first got his first million in the bank, it ended up being a real big negative for him. Right. You know, it ended up actually making him complacent, lazy. You know, there is something like really powerful uh, about you know capitalizing on fear, you know, unfortunately, there's a truth to that, you know, uh, I'm not saying to live in that or to, you know, ch chase that or always keep that in your life. But um, it actually, you know, it's kind of like guardrails, like you should be aware of it. Like if, if your money's going low, you should be concerned a little bit, like what's happening and kind of adjust. What made you get what made you do the, uh, the, the MBA? Like, it was your plan to get an MBA and start a business and you just happen to go in IT or what is your thought process behind that? Yeah, so I, I got to be – so the, the big thing I, – I, I did not have a lot of like what do they call like career planning in high school, you know. I didn't. I just kind of got to – to be honest with you guys, I didn't think I'd be in business at the time. I thought I was going to be a preacher, man, like, like all my whole entire life. I thought since I was a kid I was going to be a preacher. I just – I just felt that that was my kind of my, you could call it a calling or whatever you call it or fate or whatever. But I, um, I, I kind of had this, this moment where I felt like God told me, Hey, I want you to get into the business. And this is kind of a wacky story guys. Cause I'll tell you it, but I, I was in Toronto. I felt like I heard God's voice in a way. And I said, no way I'm not getting into business. And dude, the apprentice had just come out, and as a kid, you had all these fears about, like, you're fired and all this stuff. <laughs> and um, and about two months later, my uncle gives me a call, and he says, listen, I, I want you to go for schooling. I think you should go get go after your degree in business. And uh, I was able to get, you know, the ability. I had the, the fortunate chance for my uncle to, to fund my education and go after business. Um, and there's a lot more to that story, but nonetheless – Again, this is another story of like chasing like like this this mindset of like, dude, am I really made for this? You know, mm -hmm. and it took a while. So it wasn't a calculated. I, I wish I could say that as a young kid, I always had a desire to be a businessman, and I had this plan laid out X Y Z. Uh, I did go with the flow, and I literally, when I finished my MBA, was totally good with getting a job, and like I wasn't even thinking about entrepreneurship, although. I always knew it was in me. I just wasn't thinking about it. And I just I just lived out my life. And and eventually for me, I you come to the realization of what you like and what you don't like and what you what you feel like you gotta do and what, what you what you you know what you know you're you're supposed to do. And and I and I just felt like, you know, that, that was time when we started our business. And um, if I knew what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have started it. It's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> That the whole naivete, you know, like that, like I don't know, Josh. You know exactly what I'm talking about, man. It's Everything's like, gonna be cool. We got this. We can do it. Yeah. Nobody tells you. That's why you know when somebody complains that an executive is making too much money or like a CEO is making too much money, 
you know, like you got to be in the shoes of that CEO the first five years of their business. Um, I almost lost my marriage because of it, man. Uh, you know, so like uh, there's a lot invested and a lot of uh, soul searching that occurs, you know, when you're an entrepreneur. Best way, best way to accelerate growth. So speaking of relationships, uh, me and Shane have the benefits of being burnt by our business partners. And so <laughs> I know you got a business partner. How do you, how do you manage that relationship? How has it lasted so long? How haven't, you know, how, it, how hasn't it torn apart? Like what do you do to keep it together and keep it kosher? I got to tell you two main things. So we had three partners. We lost, I mean, one of them left and I, I, I like, I like the guy, but I'm fortunate that that happened because we're not like-minded in case you're watching this. Is it amicable? Well, I haven't, we haven't talked to him in like uh, seven years. Like uh, we haven't talked to each other, that guy. So it, it ended up being a good thing for us because it was kind of like that one partner that was very different minded. Right. Um, the two areas that I think are critical for a solid partnership is same financial goals and then same customer experience goals. Like for me, that's what I've discovered. Like if my business partner, I could tell you I've had an incredible relationship with my business partner. It's like people hear this. Remember that time when we went out to lunch with Mark Acosta Rubio? Yeah. Like it's a matter of time. It's a matter of maybe, you know, like, and I hope not, you know. But I, you know, one thing we said early on in our business is like, hey, man, your kids are in my hands and my kids are in your hands, you know. That takes it. That brings it to to a big reality that we're going to take care of each other, um, and then the same financial goals. We were we were tight with money. He was totally on board. I was totally on board. We just didn't spend frivolously. We didn't kind of. We always had the opportunity to invest into new ideas, and some of them failed miserably. Um, like we built software, and it didn't get off the ground. We spent six figures to do that. We caught a rabbit trail, you know. We both learned through that process. And the other part, too, is we are both like extremely committed to customer experience. Um, it was very it, it was much easier running the company when it was just him and I. It's harder when you bring on more people into your company because you're, you're just like in anybody. Imagine like a coach. You know, how do you duplicate yourself? That's the hardest thing to duplicate. So um, making sure that you have the same mindset on, on customer experience and, and money were were really big for us and having a goal as to where you're heading. Now, were you guys friends before uh, you met? I mean, no, we, we had met at that one company, that voiceover IP company. Oh, okay. And, and worked, okay. worked with each other for a couple of months. So you got to see his work ethic and, and the way he operates. Would you say that or no? Yeah, barely. But yeah, it's kind of wacky how we all got connected after the fact. And when that one CEO of that one company did that unethical thing, Right. Then it ended up um, just saying, you know, it was a very clear line for me. Like, I don't want to be part of that. Right. And uh, I, I want to see if I can help those guys out because it's really unfortunate what just had happened to them. And then uh, we ended up building a good bond, a good friendship. Um, and we started coming together. We all had our kind of specific roles, you know. Sam and I are completely opposites. Yeah. You know, he is technical. He is, like, strategic. I'm strategic too, but I'm way more in the clouds and, you know, systematic. And yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah. I can attest to your business partner. Both, both these guys are incredible human beings. They're just, 
they're good at life. They're good at being a human. And, uh, but for me, I've always, you know, I've seen all these, these businesses that, you know, they have partnerships in the banking world and the ones that were the best were the ones where they obviously were like-minded, right? Like you were talking about the mindset of, uh, of finances and customer service, but just having that mindset of being like-minded. But the other thing is, man, just like a marriage, right? We all know how tough marriage is, but in a marriage, you, if you really want it to work, you got to commit. You got to make that commitment that you're going to make it work. You're going to stick around and you're going to do the right things. Right. Right. And for business, for, for a partnership with two guys, you have to have that same mindset. You're, you're going to go down the road of we're going to commit to each other and we're going to make this thing work because it truly is a marriage. And the ones that are the best are the ones where, just like you said, one person's strength is not the other person's strength. And then vice versa, they flip that. The other guy has a strength that the other partner doesn't have. Those, to me, are the best, and you guys have that. I've watched you guys. You're very conservative. What you said about the money is right on. You know, I, I was their banker for a period of time, and and I couldn't get them to go spend money. They wanted to save that big pile of cash in there, and absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it is a maturing and like you know where you, you our tolerance for risk is increasing, right? But don't if, if you don't have the tolerance to risk, it's like, you know, don't don't day trade stocks. You're going to get killed. The emotions are crazy. Hey, right? but Bitcoin is good, though, right? Bitcoin, is Bitcoin, hot, oh, baby. Just hold on for dear life. No, but I, I just two quick things. One thing I realized about my business partner is that our moms were so much alike, man. Like we hear these stories. So we both come from immigrant parents. We both come from Christian households and moms always put pressure on us for having our devotional time. We come from very similar backgrounds and can relate to each other. My business partner is Indian. I'm Middle Eastern. So, you know, the culture, I think, played a massive part in our connection with each other. Um, and then the other part, too, is he had the opportunity to take on a Coca-Cola software development job making 250 grand a year. I had the opportunity to fly over to the Middle East and be part of my uncle's company. Let me tell you the, the 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 pull for that in the midst of running a company is was so strong for both him and I, and and I think I think that there was just this man it, there was just this like uh, this desire also not to disappoint each other man it was weird it's not normal not normal I didn't I I, I cherished his friendship enough that I was just like. Dude, I can't do that to you, man. I can't just leave you hanging dry. And he's like, he's probably like, man, you should have, man. I could have taken that job and make <laughs> making two fifty a year. <laughs> uh, and that's that kind of person he is. Just extremely talented. So, what's the future for Sam and Shaddy looking like? Oh my gosh, man, we are. Um, you know, we're we're really about scaling our company to the next level. We're a seven figure company but we need to grow to an eight-figure company. And that, that takes the ability to realize that simplicity is how you scale. Like, you're not going to scale if it's extremely complicated with a small workforce, you know? And so we're really working right now to simplify our business, simplify our services, saying no to specific clients. Right. Like, we cannot take on X clients smaller than X amount of pro employees. And we cannot you know, do clients that just want us when they need us. Unfortunately, our heart's desire, our cold customer customer experience bent wants to take care of those people. 
yeah. Yep. Don't want to disappoint people. Right. But um, just re- really getting really targeted, really, really right. targeted. Right now we're doing a whole like target market study on a specific industry um, and going to get really, really targeted in our marketing. So um, you said that you got you can be choosy now. Um, it's because of the position that you guys are in that you can, you can make that decision, right? But in earlier stages, you know, that's not something that, like even for me personally, like some people will come to buy a product from me and they will want the product without the electronics, you know, and they want to do it themselves. They're like DIY people, you know, but then I know later on, they're going to call me and ask me like what, what to put in there and what type, what size and, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so um, can you touch a little bit more about that in the beginning? Were you taking everybody? Absolutely, man. And you know, what I do cherish is like the, the early customers, probably the first five, six customers that we took on, we we just like, man, we honor the heck out of those people. We just try to drive every time we could do. If a if one of one of those clients was struggling and like during COVID, we did a video on our Facebook to help support them and like to buy products from them, do whatever we can to take care of them, reduce their bill, extend terms to them. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Um, but as you grow, you begin to start needing to study the profitability of each client's and you need to understand that you know it's not just me and sam my business partner we got a whole group of people and if they spend you know 100 hours like one client we spent 156 hours a month on it when we first brought them on and i could quantify for you what that costs us as a company and if that company was profitable for us for the first year no we took massive losses the first year but now they're down to 55 hours per month and they're they're steady on their IT and their you know their issues have gone down dramatically and we could quantify how you know how how we could how we've increased their productivity saved them money how you know we've done a better job for them for, than the other IT company pre- previously looking at our numbers like that allows us to 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 quantify if a customer takes up too much of our time or a customer you know, and if they are taking up too much of our time, there's probably in, like some processes internally that we got to fix. But also if we're we're doing everything we can, but it's a very high demand customer, we have to look at that as a company. Because the truth is, you don't have unlimited resources and you don't have the unlimited resource to just hire as many people as you want to hire. Mm-hmm. You know, you almost, we've been there, 2017, first loss in our company, Right. We took a big loss in our company. We invested in marketing, did all this stuff, hired people. We're like, hey, we're anticipating we're going to grow. We're going to become super huge. And, man, we didn't do that. We barely even grew that year. And after that, um, I remember my mentor telling me one time, he said, man, it's okay to run your business with extra pressure. You just got to inflate the tires more. You got to maybe get some more sleep. Maybe you got to delegate out or automate some processes so that, with the same workforce you have, you're being more productive. And I love this line, automate. This first is eliminate, automate, delegate. If you have to do it, do you have to do it? Like try to eliminate that process out of your business. And then before you put it on your workforce, try to automate it. And after you automate it, delegate it. Because you don't want to be taking on that stuff. You got to free yourself up to be super focused on what you're supposed to do, especially getting above the business. So you can work on that. So, you know, as we mature as a company, 
we're realizing that we are not a benefit to our customers if we can't innovate for them. And it's it's only going to become a commodity game. We cannot be in the commodity game, which is like, hey, this IT company is cheaper than you. We're going right. to go with them. You have right. you have to kind of you have to be an innovator in the industry. Something we're learning, which is why being like niche specific, which is scary for a lot of companies, you kind of want to take on everything you could you could possibly take on, right, Josh? Like, hey, I want that sale. Give me all the sales. But if you if you take on all of it, then you're dealing with now the construction industry softwares that you got to manage, right? Healthcare. Now you got to do logistics and manufacturing. You know, if you're not specific. If I'm like 100% a logistics IT company or, or construction IT company, you know, and I'm competing against other guys who do everything, well, we work with the exact software as you you guys use. We 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 we're experts in your industry. You know, it's not about price anymore. It's about oh, these guys are going to help us because they know our business better. How can you differentiate yourself? It's about it's about becoming really targeted and. Being okay with saying no. I mean, it's scary, but it's it's the next phase of maturing for our company. Yeah, I like that. Focus on one one niche. Yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on today, man. And I I can attest. I mean, we, like I said early on, we could have you on for a variety of topics. But one I would love to have you back on is your the customer experience. Sure. I actually took you uh, to one of the clients that I'm at and I had you give kind of a presentation on customer experience because it's just off the charts. And I think it'd be great for all the listeners to hear. And one thing I will say too, Shaddy, this is what I believe. I believe you're probably in about the second inning of your business ownership career and and what you're going to do. And the sky is the limit, man. I cannot wait to see what happens five years down the road. I mean, you you're already a star. I don't feel like you know it, which is great. It keeps you humble and grounded, but it's only going to get better and sweeter, dude. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. And I, I love you as a brother and a friend, my man. Thank so. you, guys. Likewise. I appreciate the opportunity, guys, very much. Thank you for the chance. Awesome. Thanks, Shady. You're Any very words, guys, uh, before we wrap up for tonight? Oh, man. Stay humble. Grind. Yeah. Put in the work, right? Put in the work. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. Thanks for watching. And uh, make sure to leave a review. We're going to be coming at you every week. Um, Check out nlmastermind.com if you guys want to join the Mastermind group. And thanks for tuning in, guys. Take care. See you guys.